Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. She was number 66730. Her father had died in a German concentration camp, as did her sister Betsy. Her freedom, dignity, and humanity had been stripped away by those who imprisoned her, yet she survived. They robbed her of everything she possessed, but they couldn't rob her of the one who possessed her, Jesus Christ. She saw every day in Ravensbrück as a chance to minister to someone more needy than herself, and then one day, she was released. As suddenly as she had become a prisoner, she was freed, and her solitary aim was to minister to others. When the war was over, she began traveling and shared her Savior in his love. And then one day something happened, something that shook her to the very center of her being. You probably wouldn't know her as 66730. You more likely know her as Corey Tenboom. And she told the following story. It was at a church service in Munich that I saw him, the former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there, the room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, my sister Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for you, Fräulein, he said. To think, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had taught so often to people of the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? In that moment I prayed, Lord Jesus... Help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand, but I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed the silent prayer, Lord, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened from my shoulder along my arm and through my hand. A current seemed to pass from me to him while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that this world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. The book of Philemon is a book about forgiveness and grace being shown to a runaway slave who did not deserve forgiveness. It teaches us to apply the truths we know from God's Word and to put into action the grace of God and the love of Christ in our lives. Philemon chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 read, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, 
unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Philemon was a church leader in Colossae, and reading this letter to him, we almost feel like all of us are invading Philemon's privacy and looking over Philemon's shoulder and reading his mail. Before we dive into the letter, we'll begin by explaining what had happened and the reason that led to this letter being written to Philemon by the Apostle Paul. Philemon, like many wealthy people of his time, owned slaves. Some historians have said that nearly half the Roman Empire was enslaved during that time, and there were a lot of slaves because of problem, people's problems with debt or with theft. One of Philemon's slaves was a man by the name of Onesimus. He was a slave who lived in the house with Philemon, closely con- connected to his family. Philemon was a believer, strong believer, and a church leader, and was more than likely a fair and gracious master with Onesimus. We can also be certain of this by the manner in which Paul writes to Philemon and how he commends him for his love and for his faith and how he encouraged others. Onesimus was an unbeliever when he was living in Philemon's household as a slave, and in spite of the fact that he was cared for with kindness by Philemon, Onesimus wanted his freedom. While the details are not very clear, it seems as if Onesimus robbed Philemon and then ran away to the city of Rome. The imperial capital at that time is estimated to have been populated by as much as 800 to 900,000 people. So Onesimus ran to the huge metropolis of Rome to get lost in that huge population. And this was no short trip either for Onesimus. The distance between Colossae and Rome is over 1,250 miles. So not only does Onesimus run away to get lost in the masses of people in Rome, he ran a long way away so he would never get caught and so he could be free from slavery. Something to consider is that Onesimus lived with a believing master and family who probably shared the gospel with the slaves who lived in their home, or at the very least, these slaves saw the impact of Jesus Christ on this family's life. Philemon had a church meeting in his house, according to verse 2, and the slaves in his home, we can be sure, would have been invited to those church services and heard the truth about Christ and his finished work. And then they would have been surrounded by other believers who came to Philemon's home for these meetings. I say all this because perhaps Onesimus ran away, not only because he wanted his freedom, but because he was running from the Lord. And in that, he is like so many in this world. Many are running from the Lord. Many do it by busying themselves with the cares and concerns of this world. And so many try and choose to block out the fact of eternity and of their inevitable deaths, and they focus their lives on the temporal only. Like Onesimus, many have heard the gospel. They've been surrounded by believers, but they reject the truth, and they try to run away from the Lord. Onesimus tried to hide from his master Philemon by running a long way away to the large city of Rome, but he could never hide from the one 
who is seeking his soul. And the irony of it is that Onesimus thought he could get away from the Lord by running to Rome, but instead he ran headlong into the greatest evangelist of all time, the Apostle Paul. Through circumstances that we don't know about, Onesimus met Paul in Rome. And there's a lot of things like that in your Bible that we probably wonder about and we have questions about where not all the details are given and we're curious uh, but one day in glory, we're going to have all those details filled in and all of our questions are going to be answered. I've wondered if Onesimus and Paul maybe met in prison. It appears that Onesimus had sticky fingers and stole from his master Philemon. And perhaps he wasn't the best of thieves and got caught in stealing in Rome and was put into prison with Paul. But the other more likely possibility is that Onesimus just stopped by to see Paul in Rome because he definitely knew of the Apostle Paul from living in Philemon's home and hearing Philemon talk about the gospel of the grace of God that the Apostle had made known all over the Gentile world. During Paul's first Roman imprisonment, Acts 28, 30-31 reads, And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. It's probable that Onesimus happened to buy Paul's hired house in Rome, either by accident or on purpose, out of curiosity. Or maybe he searched him out because of the guilt of his sins. And when he found Paul, he heard Paul preaching Christ. And regardless of how or why it happened, we know Onesimus met Paul in Rome. And the most important thing we know is that Paul then led Onesimus to the Lord. As Paul writes in verse 10, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. That word begotten is speaking of how Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians 4.15. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. In Christ, Paul had begotten Onesimus through the gospel, meaning that he had led him to a saving knowledge of Christ and him crucified, that Christ died for his sins, was buried and rose again, and Onesimus believed the truth and was gloriously saved from all his sins. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Daily Transformation is a paperback 412-page book written by Pastor John Fredrickson. We welcome you as you journey with us through the pages of this devotional to not only learn information, but to benefit from examples of faith and failure and seek to apply God's Word to everyday life. May God use these studies to help you find daily transformation. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 
4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Paul had never been in the Colossae, and so he probably never met Onesimus before. But he had met Philemon before, likely in nearby Ephesus during Paul's two-year ministry there. So it must have been quite a shock to the apostle when he learned from Onesimus who his master was, because Paul had led Philemon to the Lord too and knew Philemon very well. Shortly after Paul and Onesimus had met and Paul led them to the Lord, it was decided that Onesimus should return and go back to Philemon, his master, because it was the right thing to do. And that's how this epistle came about. It's a letter from Paul writing Philemon during Paul's first Roman imprisonment, pleading Onesimus's case, interceding on his behalf that Philemon would receive Onesimus back, forgive him, and show him grace. The reason he did this was because Onesimus was a runaway slave who stole from his master. Onesimus was guilty of a serious crime. An extremely harsh punishment was permitted and often enforced on runaway slaves at that time. According to Roman law, a runaway slave could be punished by death, or they could be branded with the word fugitivus on their forehead for life, or they could be severely beaten. And so Paul writes the letter to Philemon, beseeching him to receive Onesimus back as a brother in the Lord and to forgive him. And that's what this letter is all about. Philemon chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 again read, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. The way the letter begins sets the tone for Paul's request. Paul writes of himself as a prisoner rather than an apostle. He could have used his authority as an apostle to require Philemon to do what he was asking. Instead, the letter begins very gently. The appeal of the letter to Philemon is by grace, and as such, Paul begins by writing of his present circumstance as a prisoner. Yet he elevates that station that he was currently in in his life by saying that he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul did not see himself as a prisoner of Rome. He sees beyond Rome. He sees beyond the Caesar. He sees, he looks to the king of kings. That's where Paul's focus was in his life, in his ministry. Paul was a prisoner in the cause of Jesus Christ and making Christ known according to the revelation of the mystery in Christ's exalted, glorified, heavenly ministry for today. Timothy was with uh, Paul in Rome. Paul's ministry was a team operation, and by grace, Paul often included the names of his co-workers when he wrote his letters. Paul did not overlook them, his co-workers. He was quick to point them out. He was keenly aware of their, the importance of their labor of love in the body of Christ. Paul reminds Philemon that Timothy is our brother. He was Paul's brother. He was Philemon's brother. He is your brother. And he is my brother in Christ. He is a brother to everyone in the body of Christ. We're going to meet him someday. 
We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul addresses Philemon as our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. Philemon was dearly beloved by the Apostle Paul. He really appreciated Philemon. Being a fellow laborer or co-worker with Paul teaches that Philemon was busy in the Lord's work. If you're a fellow laborer with Paul, Philemon was willing to give of his time and get his hands dirty, work hard for Christ and for the cause of the gospel of grace. Following Philemon's conversion, it transformed his life. He gave himself to the service of Christ. He addicted himself to the ministry of the saints, as 1 Corinthians 16.15 puts it. Paul next, in verse 2, greets Aphia. Aphia is a feminine name and most likely refers to Philemon's wife. Paul addresses her as beloved as well. Paul's greeting, as you see, is very kind and very gracious. Next, he greets Archippus which is likely Philemon and Aphia's son. Paul calls him a fellow soldier, a fellow soldier of Jesus Christ, who, like the Apostle Paul, was actively engaged in fighting the good fight of the faith in the spiritual battle. In Colossians 4.17, Paul writes an admonition to this man, and he says, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Archippus was serving the Lord, warring a good warfare, and Paul wanted him to see it through to the end of his life and finish his course. Verse 2 also shows one way that Philemon was being a fellow laborer and laboring for the Lord when Paul greets the church in his house. There was a need for a grace testimony in Colossae, and so Philemon got to work had a church established in his house for the encouragement and equipping of the saints and as a lighthouse for the truth in that area. Verse 3 reads, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul uses this salutation in all of his epistles. It is much more than just a form of greeting. It reveals God's dealings with mankind today. It is not just a salutation, but rather a declaration that grace and peace are being shown unto all today. This is declared unto us, not from Paul, but from God our Father and God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, from the highest authority there is. God is telling us through Paul's 13 epistles that we are living in a day of grace and peace. In this present dispensation of grace, God is dealing with all people in His grace, giving all an opportunity to be saved by grace, saving anyone who trusts in Christ as their personal Savior. And at that moment that they believe, they have peace with God forever. For the believer, God works in our lives by His grace and peace. He transforms us by His grace. And we live by the peace of God within us that passes all understanding. And God desires us to work out and apply His grace and peace into everyday life and situations. And that's what Philemon is all about. In the context of this letter, grace and peace is what Paul was appealing to in this situation with Onesimus, that God's grace and God's peace be demonstrated in Philemon's life by him receiving Onesimus back with open arms.
Philemon chapter 1, verses 4 through 5 read, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. As Paul prayed privately to the Lord in his relationship with him, he made a habit of mentioning churches and individuals by name. Don't forget verse 1 when you read verses 4 and 5. Paul was a prisoner. Though Paul could have dwelt on that circumstance and the personal trial he was in with the uncertainty of it, of being possibly executed or possibly released, he lifted his eyes off of himself and on to others. He did not forget to remember a brother in Christ who lived 1,250 miles away and to bear him on his heart before the throne of grace and to thank God for Philemon. That's selflessness, and that's living by grace, and that's exhibiting the mind of Christ. Philemon's life was a testimony for Christ, and Paul was thankful hearing of that testimony. Verse 5 conveys so simply what God desires out of each of us, love and faith. God desires faith toward the Lord Jesus and love toward all saints. Philemon's faith toward the Lord was strong and it ran deep. He was growing in his faith in Christ, walking by faith in Christ and keeping his eyes on Christ. Philemon's faith in the Lord Jesus resulted in an ardent love toward all the Lord's people, toward all his saints. The word all is important to notice there. Christ loves the church. He loves all the saints. Thus, in being like Christ, we should love all the saints. We are one body, members one of another, all in Christ, all with the same hope, the same eternal life. We're going to be together forever, and we're taught of God to love one another, as 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 says. Philemon chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 say that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Verse 6 is a great verse. It's a challenging verse. The previous two verses express Paul's thanks for Philemon, for his love, and for his faith. Verse 6 discloses what Paul prayed for, for Philemon, when he prayed. The communication of your faith means a couple of things. First, it can refer to the actual communication, the sharing of our faith. But our faith becomes more effectual and effective when our words are backed up by living out what we say that we believe. And so the communication of your faith also entails the love that you show, the practical kindness that you demonstrate, that shows Christ's life being lived out through your life. We communicate our faith by our words and by our actions together. This prayer request is a prayer for Philemon to communicate, to live out his faith in the case of Onesimus here such as also living out Ephesians 4.32, which teaches us to be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. 
Paul prayed that as Philemon's faith in Christ was lived out by grace, it would become effectual and lead others to acknowledge that all that Philemon had become and every good thing that he does comes from and is because of Jesus Christ. There is effectual power and influence in a life where the love of God is manifested through us. It is compelling to see Christ's love and grace lived out in a believer's life. As the old Sunday school song says, Do you know, O Christian, you're a sermon in shoes? Jesus calls upon you to spread the gospel news. So walk it and talk it. Live it and give it. Teach it and preach it. Know it and show it, a sermon in shoes. And that's what Paul wanted Philemon to do with Onesimus, to live out the gospel, to not only know it, but to show it, to not only talk it, but to walk it, to not only give it, but to live it and show Christ's mercy, grace, love, righteousness, long-suffering, and forgiveness. Verse 7 shows how Philemon's testimony for Christ of being a loving and selfless man had made him such a blessing to many. And that gave Paul great joy and comfort, as he says there, in his current situation of being a prisoner. The word bowels is an interesting Bible word that I rather enjoy trying to explain. It's talking about a gut-level feeling, something that hits you right here in the gut. It's something that's real, something that's genuine. It speaks of emotion that comes from deep within a person. And Paul was saying that Philemon's love had really, really deeply refreshed and encouraged the saints. That should be the goal of our love, to so affect God's people with God's help that they are profoundly encouraged and inspired to live by God's love and grace too. Romans 14, 7 teaches that no one lives to himself and no one dies to himself. Our actions, our lives affect other lives. The range of our influence is often larger than we realize. And like Philemon, God would have us lift up others around us in life by his grace and love. It had been Paul's great privilege and joy for him to lead Philemon to the Lord. But now it was equally rewarding for Paul to hear that his child in the faith was living a life of love and faith for the Lord that was impacting others. And Philemon is a good example to all of us of what it means to be transformed by grace. In this passage, we see how after Philemon was saved, he began working for the Lord and he served alongside other believers. He fellowshiped with other believers in the local church in his house. He grew in his faith. He lived out God's love toward all saints and he deeply encouraged others by his words and actions. After Paul encourages Philemon, he gives him an opportunity to demonstrate his love on the basis of a very special request for the runaway Onesimus. And we're going to look at that request in our next episode of Transformed by Grace. Thank you for watching. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God 
For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.